Welcome back to Subject to Cross. I'm your host, Caroline Donato. And I'm your co-host, Pete Kratzen. This is episode 34 of Subject to Cross. Uh, we are back in the studio after a very long and very busy summer and early fall season, but we wanted to get back in the studio, and I wanted to get back at Pete. So this episode is called Pete in the Hot Seat. And the only reason I'm agreeing to this is because it's Caroline's birthday. It's my 28th birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you for letting me just go with 28. Indulge. Indulge. Okay. Are you ready? Pete in the hot seat. I guess. Pete. Am I allowed to take notes? (laughs) Sure. Pete has no idea what I'm going to ask. When you were a kid... What did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, that's easy. Professional baseball player. Did you think that was a real possibility? When I was a kid, um, I quickly realized that I was slow, petulant, at times uncoachable, and uh, ultimately aged out of that dream. When did you age out? Hmm, probably like 15 So like sophomore in high school? Yeah, you know, I tell my son all the time, he has no idea how good his generation has it with all the opportunities to play. Um, Back then, in the olden days, um, you know, you played Little League Baseball. The team might have three bats between the, you know, the entire team. One would have the the rubber grip that was peeling off. It was hard. Um, and ultimately, um, I had to make a decision because I was a, a much better tennis player than I was a baseball player. So uh, I chose tennis in high school. Okay. And how is it that you came into the practice of law? How'd you go from baseball <laughs> to law? Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't believe we haven't addressed this before. You've, All right. you've made comments in passing. So... Um, I always did well in school, and uh, despite myself, I had a very good time in college. Um, When I was probably a junior or senior, I still didn't know what I wanted to do. And I had a couple roommates, um, two of whom were applying to law school. I I hope they don't listen to this. I knew I was much smarter than they were. So I'm like, yeah, man, I'll I'll go to law school. Um, You know, get a law degree and figure out what I want to do from there. So long story short, I did well on the LSATs because I I do well in in standardized tests. I don't necessarily think that they're any sort of a reflection on how smart you are. Maybe they are, but um, because I do well on them. But uh, did well in the LSATs, got into Villanova Law School, uh, suffered through law school for three years, and, you know, ultimately kind of fell into criminal defense because I interviewed with the public defender's office, really liked the people and uh, had an interest in criminal law. So that you, was 1994. How old were you in 1994? I was six, which makes <sighs> me 28 today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of just fell into law. Absolutely. <laughs> Much different than you, I'm sure. Uh, Mine was... Well, this isn't about me. It's not Caroline in the hot seat. Both of your parents are lawyers. 
Um, I tried really hard not to. Blood. Yeah, but I tried really hard not to do it. Did you really? Though? I did. Mm-hmm. I did. Uh, when I started in college, I um, didn't pick a major. I took drama and biology and astrology and like everything under the sun. And then the two I classes. See what you did there. Astrology, everything under the sun. That yeah. was intentional. Oh, okay. And then the two classes that I really took to were philosophy and political science, but I wasn't going to be a lawyer. So I worked in politics when I was in Pittsburgh, and I wasn't going to be a lawyer. And then when I ended my internship in politics, I was going to go to law school, but not be a lawyer. I was going to oh, go into cool. broadcast media. Yeah. And then when I went to law school, I worked in broadcast media. And I wasn't going to be a lawyer. And then when I had a job offer for a different area in broadcast media in New York, that's when I pivoted because all the things I did up to that date was working for criminal defense lawyers and doing legal competitions. And I didn't want to just do broadcast media anymore. I I tried really hard not to, though. I was going to be a doctor until I took organic chemistry. Because your dad was a doctor. He was a psychiatrist. He was. Did you look up to him? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's a typical psychiatrist, pretty quirky. Did he? I'm not. Prescribe your medication? (laughs) (laughs) They they say that doctors' kids are the worst cared for kids. Whenever I needed anything, I would just call him. And then when he died, I'm like, oh, poop. I now have to go to uh, see an actual doctor. Hmm. I'm not a very good patient. So you gave up at organic chemistry? Organic chemistry is the weed out course, and it weeded me out. Because organic chemistry, you had to study. And I became a liberal arts major where I could just write papers and, you know, talk. Um, You're good less at both prep of those time, things. Less prep time. Yeah. Was your dad disappointed? <laughs> I still remember to this day the phone call. Um, he's He was a typical psychiatrist. You know, it was like he's not going to um, rant and rave. It was like, well, you know, how does that make you feel? <laughs> I'm like, it makes me feel really good because it frees up a lot of other time when I become a, a liberal arts major. And uh, I really enjoyed liberal arts. I think it really uh, cultivates uh, creative thinking um, and, you know, the ability to communicate. Uh, I really rebelled in law school because they, back then anyway, they didn't really like creativity. There was one way that they wanted you to teach or to learn. There was one way they wanted you to regurgitate facts, and I rebelled against that. You know what? That's interesting since you were so good at standardized testing that you would otherwise rebel due to lack of creativity. Yeah. I mean, like standardized testing to me, it's a lot of logic, right? And the way I would approach standardized testing, for instance, when I took the bar exam, it was at, I think it was at like the Penn Convention Center. And uh, I was in the room and I looked around. I'm really competitive. And I'm like, all right, what's the pass rate for this? Like, you know, whatever it was back then. I'm like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do better than that person. I'm going to do better than that person. I was one of the first people to be done the test. I'm going to do I it passed. the fastest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you enjoy practicing law? At times. <laughs> At times I don't. Um, you know, I, 30 years. It's a long time. Um, I enjoy cases that are intellectually challenging. I enjoy cases that are hard to uh, defend. Um, The clients don't bother me at all. I think a lot of times when lawyers 
particularly criminal defense lawyers, kind of burn out. It's the clients that, that drive them away. They just get tired of it. Um, clients don't bother me. Judges and prosecutors bother me. Is that what you don't like about practicing law? Well, I don't like lawyers. I've told you that. And I'm surrounded by lawyers. Um, it's a real occupational hazard. Yeah, it is. I think that lawyers are self-impressed. Um, and maybe I'm describing myself. But, uh, but I just, to me, it's the lack of uh, common sense and the lack of courage that bothers me. What is your favorite aspect about practicing criminal defense law? Arguing. Like anywhere? Yeah, you know that. <laughs> um, Cross-examining witnesses, particularly witnesses that I don't think are telling the truth. Um, advocating to a jury or a judge. Um, that's what I enjoy. I like being in the courtroom. I hate being in the office. You know that. Um, but we miss I like you in the in office. The well, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Was there ever a pivotal this point? This is easy, by the way. I know. It wasn't yeah. meant to be, oh. you know, it wasn't, it was meant to, you know, provoke some bonding. We've been so <laughs> busy. We're like two ships passing all the time. So this is nice for me. This is how I'm getting, I'm like efficiently getting some mentorship, oh. um, some good quality time, and we're podcasting. Okay. Pete in the win, hot seat. Win, win, Exactly. Was there ever a pivotal point in your career? Mm, that's a thought-provoking question. I would say that the most pivotal point in my career, there were probably two. One was when I, uh, you know, when I first got out of law school and my first job was with the public defender's office. I didn't anticipate leaving so soon. I was only there for two and a half years, um, but there were two prosecutors in the courtroom with me who recommended me to a, a private practitioner, Rob Donatoni. And Rob and I ended up, you know, he was looking to hire somebody. So I was like, yeah, sure. You know, I'll, I'll uh, go into private practice. So I started working with him in 1997. And that was after two and a half years in the PD's office. And I worked with him for almost 10 years. And, uh, it was a lot of fun at times. At times it wasn't. Um, but Rob, the, the thing that I learned most from Rob was creativity. You know, I think that sometimes younger lawyers look at a, a case, they're like, oh, my God, there's no way out of this, right? You know, like there's, they're, they're, um, I'm just going to have to plead this person guilty and, and try to get the best uh, um, uh, deal for them. But Rob would advocate and he would he would be creative and rob was fearless in terms of going into a, a courtroom and i admired those um and i think that it takes some time to to get there to get the the confidence in yourself uh to do that so that was one pivotal moment and the other pivotal moment was when i i left rob um and came to mcelroy harvey i had to think long and hard about what i was going to do there i was starting a family and uh, been here how long? Since 2007. Hmm. So that's 16 years, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So what made it pivotal? It, it sounds like it was transitional, but what, what here's the thought-provoking well, part. What was the pivot? Well, it was either to be a private, you know, a solo practitioner at that point or... That got you out of the public sector. 
No, I'm talking about when I left Rob. No, when you left the first one, you left the public sector. Uh, Yeah, when I left the public sector, I think that the only regret I have there is it was fun. It was as Jack Merrick, who was the public defender forever, said, the pure practice of criminal defense. You didn't have to worry about billable hours, collecting money, all that stuff. You Mm -hmm. just practice law. And there was a lot of support in that office. Um, So, you know, I, you know, if, if ideally... I would have been there a couple more years, I think. The other thing about the public defender's office is that you had to start doing preliminary hearings on the circuit, they called it. And back then, nobody left the public defender's office, so I was on the circuit for a long time. And I finally got into a courtroom, and I was only in a courtroom for a little bit, uh, tried a couple cases, and then that's when I left for uh, for Rob. Um, so... That, but that was, you know, that was pivotal mm-hmm. in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the problem, and I, this is why, you know, I have a daughter who is going to be going to college and uh, purports to want to go to law school. And I've told her the problem with, with uh, the legal profession is when you go to college and you graduate, your friends are going to be earning money from the, the outset, right? Um, selling stuff or, you know, whatever they, they do. You set yourself back three years, three more years of not earning any appreciable money, uh, incurring, as you know, debt. Lots of debt. Um, so you have to think about that, you know, at a time. Um, but then it catapults you. Yeah, it does. If you want it to. If you want it to, yeah. And then it was pivotal to leave Rob and come to the firm. What was pivotal about that, just leaving somebody who had given you, you know, who you felt like you really grew with? Yeah. But I thought it was time, and it was. I think he knew that too. Um, and uh, but it was it was scary because now it's just it was just you. My daughter was about to be born. Um, you know, I was no longer a freewheeling you know single guy hanging out in Westchester practicing criminal defense. <laughs> I had responsibilities, and uh, you know I'm a late bloomer, so uh, <laughs> it was it was like uh, it was a pretty pivotal decision to make, and it was a good one. I'm happy here. Um, it's a, it's a firm that allows you, um, uh, space. It's not dictatorial like a lot of other firms are. Um, so, uh, no, uh, I, I allow life to happen to me, Caroline. Um, probably I, I didn't to a get fault. that. I didn't get that impression <laughs> from the first two fault. questions. Um, but, uh, I think things happen for a reason. Upon reflection, would you have done anything differently? <laughs> oh God, I don't know. I mean, would you? No. No. Uh, yeah, there are probably some things I would have done differently. I have no idea what what they would have been. I haven't really ruminated on that. Um, That's why you're in I'm, the hot seat. Yeah. It would be a cold seat if I gave you these questions in right. advance. Now, off the top of my head, I can't think what I would have done differently, except been a professional baseball player. Now that you've been in practice for thirty years or so, is it or so? It's or so. What do you want to be when you grow up? (laughs) Oh, what do I want to be when I grow up? Well, I don't want to be a judge, that's for sure. That's what a lot of people do after 30 years of practice. Um, I think I just want to continue to do this until such time as I can retire and move to a house with a water view. Like Rob? No, I wouldn't go to New Jersey Beach. It would be like some place where there wouldn't be so many people. You know, like Cape Cod, something like that. Oh, I was thinking like 
Kennet Square, no, <laughs> Oxford. No. Okay, well, thank you for that oh, rendition. That was easy. This seat's like only lukewarm. Uh, I just put you on the spot. That's mm-hmm. the hot seat. So, um, just to wrap up this episode with some other news, Mary Lawrence, our associate attorney, who has just done a phenomenal job the past couple of years, she wants in. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she uh, she created um, a spinoff to Subject to Cross, and it is called Subject to Review. It is a monthly update, and it's actually really, really impressive. Uh, the firm puts it out once a month, and she talks about updates in law, things that you know are, are pretty prevalent going on, things that are going on nationally. She'll tell you upon listening to our podcast what she likes or what to look out for. And then she also asks that if you have any questions, to email her at subject to cross at com. I'd also like to renew that request. You can email us for the podcast at subject to cross at com. Isn't her email subject to review? No, we made it efficient because oh, okay. it's just it's the spinoff. Right. It's part of the same family. Oh. So she had her August edition out. You can find that on the McElroy Harvey website. She had the September edition out. You can also find that on the website. They're very impressive. She's an impressive person and lawyer. Agreed. All right. So I think that's it for episode 34. Pete is no longer in the hot seat. That seat was not hot. We'll try again another time. I'll make it hot. Oh, all right. Signing off. Bring it. Bring it.